Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 125, week 125, volume 125, number fucking 125. Hey, going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Chris of TRC, and that's coming up later in the show. Normally we kick things off with single of the week and album of the week, but for a few reasons I'm going to be slowing this down and stopping this for a while. When an album or a single of serious note gets released, we will talk about it, but for the time being, we're putting this on pause. Let's jump into the feedback questions, what's been going on. As you may be aware or unaware, there was no episode last week due to personal issues I've been going through. The main thing I need to say is I need to send a big thank you and a lot of love to everyone who messaged, contacted, commented, all of these things to send me positive vibes and great feedback. Seeing that all of you guys that are listening care and support the show and me means more than words can describe. It really warmed my heart, meant the world. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to all of you that are listening. Enough of the ramblings. Let's kick into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down with Chris of TRC. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, Chris for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So for those that are unaware or unknowledgeable on TRC, they formed in 2003. They've got three albums and six EPs to their name. They started out as an eight-piece. They eventually trimmed it down to just be two vocalists and overall a four-slash-five-piece. The two vocalists, one's a rapper, and I hate the phrase, but one is a screamer. I've been following this band passionately since around their second EP. I love the hardcore crossover style they do. If you don't know this band well enough, you will after this conversation. I love this chat. Hope you enjoy it too. That chat with Chris is coming up now. Let's kick things off. Let's have some fun. So what I normally do, do with everyone is the same question to start off with. And not a heavy band, um, doesn't have to be a big name band, but do you remember as a kid an artist that opened your world to music existing at a young age? I would say at a young age, genuinely, it was the Gypsy Kings. Uh, my old man used to listen to the Gypsy Kings uh, and I remember driving around in Spain when I was like four or five uh, and genuinely enjoying that music at four or five. Didn't have a clue what they were singing, but there was just something about it. Um, so that was the first the first musical act that made me, you know, play that song again, Dad, or play that, play that track again. And that was my first, I think, um, relationship with music, I'd say, actually. Yeah, Gypsy Kings. And I still like them to, to this day. 
Still so got some bangers. Where did your where did your musical discovery go from then? At such a young age, you're hearing something like that that's obviously given to you. You've been exposed to it from someone else. So where do you go with discovery wise in your young age? I think from there it was just the usual. Was it was whatever was on like pop TV, uh, MTV. Uh, whatever's on the kids channels whatever it might be I then got into um, Michael Jackson and then when I really got I guess got into music for myself and was going out buying CDs it's actually a really funny story it's not that funny but it's interesting the first CD I ever bought was um, Dog Eat Dog No Fronts the single okay and I can't remember when that when that came out it was it was quite big in the UK it was like in the pop charts do you know what I mean it, it, for, somehow it got in the pop charts and TRC just played with Dog Eat Dog on their 25th anniversary tour. And it was quite a nice little moment yeah. of, wow, this is all come full circle here. You were the first CD I ever bought. Um, so that was pretty cool. But I first started really like focusing on music because when I got into um, the whole Britpop thing with like Oasis and Blur, um, and Oasis to this day is still one of my favourite bands. From there got into rap music, then got into the heavier stuff, got into metal, new metal for a while, and then it got into hardcore and still into hardcore now. So, I mean, was there a certain age where you decided, you know, music was something you wanted to kind of follow and kind of try your hand at? Yeah, it was around 16, 17 probably. We started a new a new metal band, uh, called Cause for Concern, which was they were terrible, but it was it gave me the the taste of what it would feel like to be on stage up front in a band, and I was like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have some of this. It's really good. Um, so it was around sixteen. We started. That was my first ever band. That lasted a little while, and then there were various like school bands and you know local bands. You know how it goes. Uh, and then I started getting into hardcore, uh, and then. When did TRC form? And when? Because I think 2002, 2000, 2003, it was all like a load of us went to school together. A couple of people in different years. There was loads of us um, in it during the early days. I think we had like eight or nine members in TRC back in the day. And I was the drummer. Um, so I used to be the drummer. And, and I always knew that I eventually wanted to get out front. But it was a nightmare to find drummers in London at that time. So I was like looking everywhere, trying to find someone to take my place so I could go up and take a microphone. Um, and yeah, it just kind of developed from there. But it was around the time you get into metal and you start going to concerts and you start feeding off the energy of thinking, wow, this is like really intimate. You know, we, we, it was it wasn't just like the big stadium bands. It was the local ones where you could like get on the stage and jump on the stage. There was something about that energy and that vibe that I thought. I want to be a part of this. This is this is something pretty cool. Um, and then it just moved on from there. So, I mean, most, most listeners will know, and you mentioned there, you know, you became known as the vocalist or one of the vocalists in TRC, but you mentioned drums, you know, and I knew you were in on the drum kit for a while. Um, yeah. Why drums? Because, you know, let's be honest, if I said to my parents as a, as a young age, I'm going to play drums, they would have said, no, 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 no. Luckily, the parents, I, I, I remember actually, like, it, I was in year six in primary school and we were reading, like, I'd never, I used to play the trumpet. That was my first ever instrument. So I got into music through the trumpet and I did all right at that, like the school orchestra. But there was some kind of need to make a bit more racket and take a bit more 
aggression out in a bit of a, a wilder way than playing a nice little tune on the trumpet. So I remember in primary school, they had like a music open day or something like that. Uh, and you could try a hand on a drum kit and I'd never sat on one before. And I just thought it was the most incredible thing. It's not like, cause it wasn't like one instrument to me. It was everything made different sounds when you hit it and you could just smash the shit out of it. I thought this is, this is pretty cool. So then I went on and like learnt drums in year seven and eight. I mean, it won't sound like that when you listen to my drumming, but <laughs> I, I did I did learn how to play them a little bit. And then they, they tried to steer me, like the music department tried to steer me down like the percussion route. So I kind of fell out of love with it. I was drumming for a bit and then they would say, well, this week we're learning the xylophone. I was like, oh, I don't want to learn the xylophone, man. I want to like play the drums. Um but it was just, yeah, it was just a, it was a cool instrument. And I still now, even when I listen to metal or hardcore or even like techno or house, there's something about like the drums and I like tribal drums. I like the percussive sound. It's like quite, quite captivating for me. So there's always been something about rhythm and that, that, that continuous, cause it just drives everything forward, doesn't it? Um, but I, I realized I could get a better drummer and I thought, let, let me get someone to actually play the drums and I can do my thing on the, uh, on the mic well it is i mean it is also an essential backbone i mean you know a good drummer you know as you said you know good drums make an essential part of any style of music you know if you've got hundred percent man and, and our drummer now uh james like we've literally found the perfect drummer for our style it, i mean it, it's it's a shame we didn't have him in the earlier lineups with like nation and, and bright lights and when we were touring those records because it's made such a difference to our live performance. Uh, we, we just go on stage a lot more confident now that it's going to be as it should sound. Because you know when a drummer's slightly off, it just brings everything out of out of sync. They're not quite as sharp. They're not quite as hard. They don't quite get the accents right. Um, but yeah, they, 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 as you say, it's the backbone. It drives everything forward. That and bass. Bass. But I feel sorry for bass players. They're kind of the most underrated part of the band, but one of the most important. Mm, oh, yeah. You know. I've got mates that say, you know, it's just a lazy guitarist, basically. No, it's it's something else. When you get a good bass player, again, we've got a new bass player, Sam, who's fantastic. Um, And and those two together have really driven the band forward and they kind of reinvigorated things a little bit, if I'm honest with you. So, yeah. Going going back to the school time, you mentioned, you know, you're in band and doing that stuff. But, you know, a lot of kids during high school, um, it's the way school systems are set up. They're told that they need to know their career path. They need to know where they're headed. So yep. as, a, as a kid in school, um, is music your only you know thing you're pushing for or are you looking at a Hon- path? Uh, honestly, honestly, it was. Music was the only thing I was, I was going for. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that when I focused on music, it, it it lit something up in me, you know. Um, I knew I didn't think it would ever be like my full time career, but I was like, if I didn't focus on that, I'd just be fucking around doing all sorts and not doing anything. So that was my one kind of constant music, being in bands, having that creative outlet, and also um, doing martial arts. They were the two things that have like stayed with me up until this day that have allowed me to like narrow down my focus. Um, rather than just going all over the place because like you say in school it's like yeah go to school get your grades off to uni know where you want to go I was like I I didn't have a didn't have a clue Um, and I've truth be told only really figured out that over the last four or five years man 
four or five years of, of, the, of a direction of where I wanted to go. And I think it's such a shame people kind of get pigeonholed into this is where you've got to go. And then they get to like 30, 35. They're like, this isn't what I wanted. Mm. And they almost feel it's too late to then go after those creative pursuits or change path, whatever it might be. But in school itself, yeah, the one focus I can even go back and, you know, visualize and remember on was my focus around music whether it was the the music gcse the exams or the bands or just listening to like slipknot and passing around all the, all the you know all the stuff you do in in high school when you're listening to heavy music that was when you started forming your little cliques as well of friends and you you suddenly have an identity don't you before that i don't remember having an identity but when we got into music and we got into heavy metal that was our that was our vibe and that became our identity so yeah yeah, that was my my main focus in in high school for sure. Yeah, I think it's you know you mentioned something there that I'm I think there's it, I'm very strongly about um, and believe is that I think it's a bit worrying as a kid in school that you're told that you need to have that path set. Um, you yep. know, at seventeen, eighteen, personally, I didn't have a fucking clue what I wanted to do. I knew yeah. I wanted to be in music, so I wanted to do sound engineering. Um, but I was told, no, 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 you need to focus on something like accounting or economics or history or teaching. And I don't think that's fair on kids that are more of the creative style. Uh, absolutely. I, I wonder if there is like a bit of a shift happening with it all, especially over here, because there is the, there seems to be a bit more of um, awareness around the idea of, you know entrepreneurship or you can create something yourself online you, you know it's getting a bit more encouraged but back in my day that that wasn't the case I mean the internet wasn't mm. what it is today you couldn't create your own brand online but now it's like if you're really passionate about something and you work hard at it you can all right it'll be tough but you can you can make something of yourself whether it be a, a podcast or a radio show or like you said, study sound engineering. You can create stuff online. There's 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 so many more opportunities now for creative people and people that perhaps think outside the the box, which is wonderful. It is also wonderful that also I think maybe they're loosening the emphasis nowadays for kids that grades are the be all and end all. That was the other thing as a kid. If you don't get your Correct. A's or if you don't get a hundred percent, then you're a failure. And yeah. that's a big pressure on yeah. a kid. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Luckily, I was fairly like. Na is it the right term? Naturally gifted in school. I blagged it. Like I literally blagged all my grades. I didn't actually finish my um, A levels, so I didn't finish sixth form. I did my GCSEs, so that's my like, well, would have been sixteen years old. And I did the first year of um, A level, so up to eighteen, and they didn't let me back to finish it just because I was mucking around too much because I was so focused on music. <laughs> believe it or not, um, but yeah, I I I I I think that. Back in the day, it was very much, you know, focus, focus, grades, 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 grades. And if it doesn't happen, as you said, you've you, you, you cocked this right up. And the consequences were much higher then because people, you know, it was it was go work in the supermarket or go like, lay bricks somewhere. But now I think there is, especially on social media, I see a lot more of people pushing this idea of you can create something yourself if you work hard enough, which is which is cool. Yeah, it's a whole different society now, and in good ways and bad ways. Um, Absolutely. Let's go back. You know, you're mentioning identity. You're finding Slipknot, things like this. Um, 
So what's it like for you in the local scene at around the age of 16? Are you attending gigs? Um, do you know that there's a local scene going? Yeah, so I um, I started getting into hardcore probably around 17, probably coincided just when I left school, actually. Um, and we used to go to like the the local metal nightclub event in, in, in London. Um, and I, I, I remember someone was DJing one time and they played a tune of a local, but I'd only started to hear about like American bands like Hatebreed and Biohazard and Madball and all that kind of thing. So I started getting into, into that side of things. And then someone was DJing at this nightclub who was playing, um, he was playing a London band knuckle dust i don't know if you heard knuckle dust mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so he played one of their tunes and i was just like what is this i was like this you know the, the riff sounded like fairly familiar but the vocals were so different i, I just went up and asked him i said so so what's this band man and then he told me about knuckle dust and then he gave me a flyer for like a a, a local a local london hardcore show and that was the first time i was ever introduced to the london hardcore scene and the whole lbu crowd and it was so cool to see how there was this, it was its its own little scene. I got it on a global scale. I'd listened to hardcore music, but I didn't get the importance of the scene and the local like London vibe and how <clears throat> all bands helped each other, supported each other. Uh, different scenes from around the country and Europe would come and chop and change and put on shows and then we'd go up and play shows up there. So I just started like hanging around, um, going to shows, met some really cool people um did a couple of little bands before trc we never really did much and then um started taking it seriously and started putting on shows ourselves when we started doing uh trc so around 2004 we started to put on little shows only little ones but just our way of giving back a little bit we didn't want to always just you know turn up and be playing the shows we thought it was quite cool that listen if you can pay and hire and put a deposit on a venue you can put on your own little all day Sunday festival and get the bands that you like. So we started to do that a couple of times. Um, and then we started to move on out from there and just, you know, start playing more shows and tour about a little bit. But that was really, really cool. It was like knowing that it wasn't just about the music. It was genuinely about the friendship. And you'd look forward to the Sunday gigs hanging out as much as you would seeing the bands. Um, and, and that was the days of, well, they still got them now, but, you know, and you'd get really excited by different bands bringing different cd distros and checking out all the the different eps that they would have or the seven inches or the bands bringing their different merch um that used to be really really good fun and I, I look back on those days with with fond memories was it a you know i mean as you know and a lot of listeners know all local scenes ebb and flow you know they go through big peaks of bands yep. that are stepping up was it a yeah. scene at the time where it felt like you could when we came through, it was like at a real peak that we had some fantastic bands. Uh, it was like, it was Knuckle Dust, it was Nine Bar, it was 50 Caliber, it was TRC, it was Prowler, it was Six Foot Ditch, it was a uh, special move. There was lo loads, loads of bands. Uh, and they were all known, not only in London, but around the UK as well. So people would travel. And then London started doing like coach trips. So you'd get all the bands on coaches and we'd go and play in Belgium. Um, and then the Belgians would come over and see us for, for a weekend and play shows. So it really was a, a peak time. And, and we the, the, the thing is, we had decent venues. Uh, 
now there's hardly any venues left man it's like you, you can't even get good shows in central london you've got to mission it to like south london it's yeah all the small independent venues they're pretty much gone man developers have, have, have built them up and and or bought them up and then built flats which is a real shame because we had a, a few to choose from and if we lost one there was one 10 minutes down the road and they were always central london so it was easy for everyone to get to now there's there's only a couple really there's one in one in camden and there's one in uh in south london so yeah that was that was a bit of a dent when they started closing up a lot of the the venues um and you know like you said people start getting older people move away people you know there's there's there are ebbs and flows so i probably stopped going to shows as much as i used to around 2011 2012 um but now started to get back into it a bit and uh it's it's cool there seems to be like a a bit of a resurgence in the in the london scene and and people still trying to do big things but they're still the same old faces which is you turn up you haven't seen someone for five six years and it's it's, it's still exactly the same yeah and then the unfortunate thing you know without jumping too far forward is then we get this covid stuff go on and the repercussions for live music could be quite dramatic unfortunately and bands in general Hundred percent, man. I mean, this was, I mean, because we're only doing TRC part time now, because um, everyone's got their own stuff going on, work, families, this and that. It's hard to go away on like two, three week tours. This was actually meant to be our busiest year in like five years for shows, and we we managed to like schedule it, and we were so looking forward to it. We had some tours in France lined up, Europe, all good festivals, a couple of UK runs, and then bang. But as you said, it's 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 the same for all bands do you know what i mean i'm not i'm not sitting here saying oh poor us poor us uh we just got to look forward and hope it gets sorted out for 2021 but I, yeah like you say hardcore shows i don't know how they're going to play out everyone jumping around sweating on each other putting the mic in the crowd it's going to be it's going to be very different i can't imagine doing it behind like a, a plastic <laughs> screen well you could <laughs> do you could do mic grabs but as it's getting handed back to you security's got to wipe it down with a wet wipe <laughs> i mean i do that i mean half the time i don't have the microphone anyway I just, <laughs> it's always my thing. if i forget the lyrics i just put the lyric, put the mic in the crowd and walk off let them do it <laughs> um so let's go back to a bit of the early years you know you mentioned you know 2002ish you know the band forms and yeah. um you know at the time uh, the scene's kind of thriving and you guys are doing your bits. Um, initially, realistically, everyone has high expectations um, with yeah. what they want to achieve. But, you know, you guys come out, you do some shows, you do the split mm -hmm. with uh, Prowler, uh, the yep. EP. Where, where did you see yourselves going at that stage? Did you think, like, your limits were endless? Yeah, I did. I, I, I always, literally, as soon as I did started doing TRC, I was like, we're going to play the big festivals, download Sonosphere, 100%. And I knew it wouldn't be with that original lineup, but it's like a long-term vision. I would see myself on those stages, and I, I, I knew it would happen. I said that straight from the off. And some people used to meet that with like, oh, that sounds like you're selling out. It's like, come on, man, I'm just trying to take this music to a, a slightly bigger scale and get more people interested. And I think we have done that i think if there's one thing people will say about us is like we have flown the flag and we have tried to, to to bring the london sound and the uk hardcore sound 
to a wider audience. Some people don't like that, but listen, that's that's what that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I, I saw that we could do. And all right, the EP Northwest Kings, all of that. That those sounds were never going to get us there, but it was moving. Do you know what I mean? And I, 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 I there was just something that I felt that I could do it, and that's that's what I wanted to do. For sure. Well, I think also the thing about TRC in the early days and still today is, you know, in music, there can be a lot of the same. You know, it doesn't matter what style of music, there can be a lot of the same. But TRC from the offset, you guys were trying to set yourself apart from the pack. And, you know, not only was it with, you know, at stages, it was an eight piece, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But also it was... Yeah, and I mean it in a good way, the swagger that you guys bring, the London swagger. Um, so was all yeah. of that intentional? Yeah, I think it it it, it wasn't, it wasn't. That, the whole like eight-piece madness at the beginning, it wasn't because it was friends that went to school that used to do graffiti together and everyone wanted to be in the band. And we were like, well, we can't stop people being in the band. Let's just get in a rehearsal room and see what happens. Uh, so that's that's what we have four vocalists. So Anthony is the only original vocalist. Me and Anthony, are the only two original members left. Um, the 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 whole like London swagger thing, as you say, and and all of that. Yeah, we we did. We played up to it a little bit. And if I look back on some of the stuff now, it's a bit cringy. I'm not going to lie, but it served its purpose. Um, and I, th- I think it was cool at the time. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed creating that. I think people either loved it or they hated it. It was a bit like Marmite, and and it worked. So that was that was intentional, um, but I think sometimes we probably went a bit too far with the the cheesy stuff. But it's easy to say that when you look back, and if you don't look back and cringe, uh, you probably haven't come far enough. So yeah, I loved I it, man. I loved it, like tr- <laughs> like tracks like uh, Define Cocky. Um, oh yeah, things like that, you know, and haters, um, things like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they were all good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I mean, the haters stuff, that video still gives me jokes to this day. Um, and it was, I mean, Anthony's the one that thinks up all these like mad ideas for, for videos and, 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 and lyrics. So credit to him. It was, uh, yeah, it was good. So, you know, there's the eight piece in the debut album, which was Destroy and Rebuild from Memory. Um, yeah, well, 2007-ish, I think. My God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well yeah. done. <laughs> um, so at that stage, you know, the band's been going for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. When when was the decision to start scaling back from being an eight-piece? Um, it was probably prior to Destroy and Rebuild, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, we just stopped clicking with a couple of members um, and it just – we thought Anthony and I would talk about it and we said, listen, if we want to take this bigger, we need to uh, funnel it and fine tune it a little bit. And I think it, it just kind of reached its reached its maximum, I guess, effectiveness with the with the with the eight people. Anthony and I would always get together and write lyrics. Other, you know, other guys stopped turning up to practices. They'd like accidentally miss a show, but oh, it doesn't matter because you can just do my bits anyway. And it was it was all a bit like um it was all a bit like that. So we had a vision after that we would start, we would probably just do Anthony and I, um, which I think, did we do that after that? Yeah, we did. Mm. Yeah. Because I think after Destroy and Rebuild, we did, uh, I can't remember. Well, you did The Revolution <laughs> Continues EP. Hey, yeah. mm. The EP, that's right. Um, yeah, and it, I, 
I can't remember when that came out, but um, we had a, like a year or so where it was like a real like stripped back version of TRC. And it was it was a bit weird at first, just having both Anthony and I on vocals, just for the sheer part of like trying to do all the parts. But it it turned out being all right. Um, and I'm pleased to say I think it was the best decision we've ever made. I also think a really interesting decision you made kind of early on also was to incorporate the hardcore with the splash of the hip-hop. Yes. No, so that was our old rapper, uh, Andrew AC. He did. He was on Northwest Kings and on Destroy and Rebuild. So that, rules, that, that, that kind of element was already in there. And then I started, I, I really got into um, acts like The Streets and UK rap and UK hip-hop. And I, I was listening to like American stuff as well. Um, and I thought, well, let's, let's continue that because it's, it's, we're not doing it just to be different, but let's bring elements of what we listen to. And if you listen to like the early stuff I did vocals on, there wasn't that much rap. It was a bit like shouty, a little bit of rap, but, and that kind of like my style kind of changed as we've gone along and up and even till the, like the latest EP, that's when I find of, I feel like I've found how my voice should sound and how I should deliver it. But it's always been a part of it, for sure. Um, and even in terms of, I think, even like the music itself is a bit different and lends itself to a slightly different style rather than just shouting all the time. So I think if you just put TRC tracks and let's say like shouting over the top, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't really work. No, like not taking anything away from Anthony, but I think it needed something a little bit different as well. Well, it's also, you know, um, in a landscape of music, you know, we'd been through at this stage, we're talking 2009-ish, I think, when uh, that EP came out, um, when you started stripping back a bit. Um, but also, you know, we're talking about new metal had come and gone. Um, yeah. We're also talking about, you know, multiple vocalists had come and gone. Was it something mm. that you guys uh, had to fight with, uh, with crowds to kind of understand that you weren't doing it just for... A gimmick. I think so. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. Um, but like I said, people either there was no like they're all right. It was people either loved TRC or hated TRC, and that's exactly what we wanted. Because then when people like comments started coming on our YouTube videos, people would start arguing amongst themselves, and I was like, okay, we're onto something here. This is fantastic. You know, we don't have to like keep pushing or doing anything. We've just got to keep doing us. Um, and and that was it. So it wasn't like no, we were coming up trying to trying to like overplay the gimmick at at that stage. It just kind of it just kind of happened, and it and it turned out all right. Well, I think a big a big moment um, for the band, I think, was Bright Lights. That album feels, you know, I think Nation was a bigger album. Um, yeah, probably production wise, reception wise, obviously. But Bright Lights yeah. seemed huge because it it. To this day, it's got some bloody classics on it, like London's Greatest Love Story and stuff like that. That was, that was our like seminal moment, London's Greatest Love Story. When we really, when we wrote that, and 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 Anthony and I went away and wrote that, and we recorded a demo. I remember we both looked at each other and we were like, "This could change everything." And I'm, I'm you know, I'm not just talking about like on a small scale. This could be massive for us. Um, and listen, it didn't take us to like superstardom around the world, but it was like our defining moment, I think. And I remember when we released that track and that video, people were just baffled. They were like, 
this is amazing, but at the same time, this is fucking awful. I don't know what's happening here, but I think I like it, but it's really good. <laughs> and yeah, that just, because that was something that had never been done before, really. It was like rap, it was hardcore, it was metal, it was a bit thrashy in the middle, it was melodic. Um, yeah, that was that was good. But Bright Lights, for me, although it had some, like I think like the first four tracks on it, uh, are wicked and they're four of my favorite trc tracks it's like what is it haters go hard or go home temptation uh something else um define copy even maybe um and there's greatest love story but then the rest of it i think was just fillers like and, and that's that's always been my main thing with trc it's like our hits have been hits but i think we've had too many fillers and if i listen to like nation and bright lights if I could pick, I know every band could say this, but if I could pick like five or four off one and like six off the other, that would have been the album. Mm-hmm. But I think in both times we kind of rushed to get them out and it's just got a couple a couple too many fillers in, in my opinion. I mean, some people really like the albums, don't get me wrong, but I listen to it and it gets past like track five. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Bright Light start getting you bigger opportunities? Like, because I know, you know, it wasn't long after that. I remember because, you know, I grew up in the UK and then moved to Australia. Um, and I remember still getting Metal Hammer. And I remember you guys just starting to be all the time in Metal Hammer around Bright Lights. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bright, bright Lights, um, yeah, definitely. That that was when we started to get, like, pushed into the, the, the mainstream, quote-unquote, as it were. That's when we first played Download Festival. I think um, the year after that, when we dropped Nation, we played sonosphere but definitely that's when we started getting in the magazines like kerrang and metal hammer and um getting on some bigger tours we played with bring me to horizon um we played a couple of the bigger festivals in the uk so that's when people were talking about trc and there was a real a real buzz for sure and then you know you you come into nation which i really love but i find i think that's the album polarized the listeners probably the most i think probably yeah probably and it's interesting that because there is still some bangers on there it's just a i think it's a just a cleaner sounding album you know it's better production it's crisper it is i think i think the issue with that album is it wasn't a trc album again like the 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 hits are trc hits but this was a time when like anthony was really struggling to make time for the band and he was umming and ahhing like I don't know if I can do this anymore because of work commitments. He couldn't tour it. So we literally didn't tour Nation at all. Like, we didn't do a tour around... I know, mad. It's mad. We didn't do a tour around Nation. Because uh, we just couldn't do it. I think we did, like, a couple of weekenders because the lineup was arguing and then everyone started falling out. So it was a bit of a... We released it and then it all started falling apart after that. And I think the problem with Nation is... Although it had some good songs, 10,000 Hours, We Bring War, Team UK, probably about it, in my opinion. I can't think of any more on there. Um, it wasn't a TRC album because Anthony was only on like three songs. He was like, I would rather you do the majority of the songs on your own just in case I have to leave. So at least you can tour some more songs. He didn't want to leave. He was like, I didn't want to. I was never going to say, well, fuck off then. You know, never. I, I if Anthony wasn't in the band, it wouldn't be a TRC, so I'd, I'd call it a day. Um, but he couldn't he couldn't commit to writing tracks because he didn't know if he'd be playing shows. So it was a bit, yeah, yeah I don't know. 
So, I don't know. I, mean, I know it did all right, but it's yeah. Did it fall <laughs> flat? Like, do you feel like that was a misstep in the the evolution of the band? Because you mentioned no touring, and then as as what happened, you guys kind of disappeared for for a while. Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. It was like it was like we released it, and then we didn't tour it. We fell out. Charlie and LaSalle left, and it was like okay, cool. So we let's take. 18 months off and figure out what the hell we're doing. <laughs> and we knew from we knew from that moment that we were never going to be as 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 big as we could have been or as big as we were then. But we were okay with that. We were like, listen, let's figure out if we can come back, if we can do something, fantastic. But let's make sure it's it's all right and we're not just churning out some kind of crap. Um so yeah, it was a shame. I think we did really miss the if we had nailed that and we had written the album that we should have written and 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 toured it, who knows what could have happened. I think we were onto something pretty pretty big and pretty special, but it is what it is, man. It is what it is. We're still here now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's still like you mentioned there are still some bangers on there like hashtag #team uk uh yeah, felt that's... like it really kind of got some groundswell for a while and I think that was um, an important song because of lyrical context. It was quite an interesting. I was listening back to it. Hadn't you know? I listen to Bright Lights a lot personally. Um, that's probably my favourite jam. And I went back and listened to a few off Nation this week, and I forgot the lyrics in Hashtag Team UK. Is that a reference to what was going on locally at the time, where people were hating English bands getting momentum and success? It, it no, it wasn't. It wasn't that they were hating that. It was. It was a general feeling that. It was good to be in a UK band and UK bands were like starting to get recognition and they were headlining their own tours and even UK rap artists and grime artists were doing big things. It's like we don't not in like a a negative way, but we don't need to be um, taken under the wing of the Americans and we don't need the American names to blow us up. We can do this on our own. Um, and it was really cool to be a part of that. And that 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 track was our kind of ode to every single genre, um, because we all listen to all different genres of music. So I thought it'd be cool to reference a couple of different kind of bands and different kind of artists in there. Um, and that's when I feel that UK music really started to 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 come into its own. Um, and and uh, yeah, that is one of our our biggest tracks. Even to this day, I love playing that song. Uh, so we don't play it a lot, but when we do, it always feels quite, it always feels quite good, and it gets a, it gets a good reception. It's a fucking, so yeah, I love it. I like that. Fucking banger, love it. Um, you know, we talked about everything slowing down. You know, eighteen months or so, not sure what's happening. Um, you know, can you give any insight into? You know, obviously there were some member changes. That was one thing. Yeah. But you know, what's going on at this stage? Do you think TRC is dead in the water? Do you think there's any life left in it at that stage? I I remember when, um, because basically, and they won't want me saying this now because we talk now, we're friends, but like Charlie and LaSalle, the two that left, their, their like big dream was if they leave, TRC will finish and they can go off and do their own thing. But me, Anthony and Ben... We're just they were like, well, we're gonna leave. We'll do one last show in Sheffield. I think I literally remember on the drive up to Sheffield to play the show. They were like, we we you know we think this should be our our last show as a band. Um, we feel like it's reached everything it can. We're gonna go off and do our own band counting days, uh, and this is gonna be our last show. Me and Anthony just text each other in the back of the van. Well, 
how about this is going to be their last show? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then from there, they, they left and they went off and did their own thing, which didn't really do anything. Um, but we said, listen, if we can do something, we'll do something. We left it for like 18 months. And then Ben sent me a demo version of Same But Better. And I was like, okay, that's got that's got some promise. That's got a little bit of bounce to it. Let, let's see what we can do with that. Uh, so we went in and just did that independently. And we released like Same But Better and Take It. And we knew they weren't like game changers. But it was like, let's, let's put something out and see how people respond. Um, yeah, it was okay. But I think what the, the, the big response for us, the comeback was around like the second the full EP when it was like Mona and lifestyle and stuff like that. People are like, Oh wow, this is, this sounds good. This is positive. This is, this is big. And to this day, I think Mona is like our biggest, our most streamed track on Spotify, which is, wow. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. So that turned out all right. Well, it's quite, inter- yeah. it's quite interesting because cool. you guys went from, you know, being a band that were playing a lot, getting a lot of shows mm. locally, Europe, all of that jazz um, you have the pause, you go away for a while. You now seem to be a band that do things on your terms. So you still do weekenders, you still do shows here and there, but it seems like you're now a band that kind of pick what you want to do instead of just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, uh, we do. And I, 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 I get that ethos. Like when you're a band that is making a name for yourself, you have to tour. You have to do the shows um in eastern europe on a tuesday when no one turns up it's part of the it's part of the t- you, your ticket in do you know what i mean you, you go, you've got to do it you've got to put the work in um but now thankfully during that stage of like bright lights and nation we kind of made enough of our name for ourselves that i don't quite understand it to be honest with you because you see a lot of bands that 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 keep going doing it part-time but they they end up like slipping down bills and no one really cares about them. When we play shows now, we still like play, you know, decent slots, decent festivals. People turn up for TRC. It's like, okay, this is this is still cool. So we do get to do it on our own terms now. We've got a good agent. She kind of gets what we want to do. Um, you know, short runs, spread them out. Um, as I said, this year was going to be our busiest one yet. And it looked, you know, people were really looking forward to seeing us. But it, it is what it is. We'll be back next year. But it's nice to do it on our terms and do it independently as well. You know, um, what yeah. about the sense of music, you know, releasing music? You know, you mentioned you had the EP in 2016 and then the Lifestyle EP, I think there was... 2016, was it? Wow, yeah. And then yeah. Lifestyle was 19 or 18? 18. 18, maybe. Yeah. 18, thanks. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> At least someone's on it. <laughs> I know my homework. Um, <laughs> you know, and then the thing with new music is... Yes, you guys have an extensive discography where you can kind of play shows based off that, but the current climate of people where wanting more, needing more, they always want more things, whether it's good or bad, they want shiny items. Um, yeah. Do you really. feel pressure to make new EPs, new music, or are you happy to just run with what you've got for the time being? I don't feel pressure. Definitely don't feel pressure. I think, I think it was actually a relief how well Lifestyle and Mona were received. Because I was a bit, before we released that, after we released like Take It the Same But Better, it was good, it was fine, it was it was, it was was all right. But I was like, oh, if we come back, we've got to come back. Because if we flop, that's it. Do you know what I mean? That's that's pretty much game over. We can't go, basically, I was like, we can't go down from Same But Better and um, Take It. 
we've got to go up. We've got to go up in a, in a fairly big way and get some get some buzz around this. So I'm ple- I was very pleased that those two were received well. And I mean, when we play shows, people want to see TRC because they 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 love the energy. To this day, people are like, we don't know how you've got so much energy on stage. Is that well? Because and you know, I stay in shape. So, <laughs> <laughs> but people just love that. There's something different about us live. So it's 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 always really cool, and there's always been a good connection with the fans. Um, but in terms of feeling pressured to write new music, no. But I think we'd like to. So Ben's already got like a couple of demos. We just want to make sure that it's it's right. We're not just going to put something out and say new TRC is coming. But if we if we get it right, fantastic. If it doesn't come out right, we won't release it. So I mean, what about um, being a band that is you know remained kind of a champions of the underground? And it's a compliment. And I'm not trying to blow smoke, but it. If I say TRC, I I I mean it in a way of champions of the underground. Do you feel um, do you feel you're kind of established at this stage of your career that you can just keep doing what you want to do, or do you feel that there is not a lot of life left in the band? Because I mean, we all grow up. You're you know, it's a good. I mean, no, it's a good. It's a very good question. And I'm at the minute. I feel like yes. And I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I think this COVID situation has been a bit of a. A blessing in disguise in that sense because it's extended us by another year mm. <laughs> at least mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because what how old am i 35 36 not that age is a thing but but i just i just i just wonder when that that time will come when it's like oh that'll do now but then i look at bands like knuckle dust and i look at bands like archangel who, who they they just they just do little shows here and there but they smash it and people still come out and see them so if we could do that and people are still interested fantastic if the interest is there people want to see us great but if it comes down to like oh you've got to play the local pub on a tuesday at 7 30 probably not do you know what i mean as much as I, as much as i love as love music love doing trc that would be a bit too much cringe for me <laughs> like to, <laughs> unless and this is one of anthony's ideas unless we turned it into like a spinal tap kind of oh. comedy YouTube thing. <laughs> and that then reinvigorated the band again. And then we went up. So yeah, we've got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Playing, playing the local pub to four people that aren't even there to see you. And they're, they're just there cause it's their Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, about, we're thinking about ways we can uh, keep it going. <laughs> so I wanted to ask a little bit of, um, yeah, Obviously, want to touch on in a sec a bit of the fitness and podcasting stuff that you do, but I want to talk a yep. little bit um, about industry from your perspective as someone that's seen the ins and outs. Um, when you guys started, CDs, vinyl was still a big thing for a band. Um, merch was a big thing for a band. All of that stuff that you did was valuable for the income of a band. Nowadays, yep. um, income is harder for a band to maintain, so you have to sell that merch. Um, you can't really make much money off physicals, and a lot of the focus is on streaming numbers now. It's all about the yep. digital wave. So, as a band, do you see the industry in a positive light, as in it's working for you, or do you see it's quite difficult being in a band today for you? Uh, so, I feel that for newer bands it's much easier to get themselves heard nowadays, which is in itself a plus. In terms of making money from music and making a living out of it, 
inevitably it's harder right your labels want a piece of absolutely everything you've got these 360 deals now that's why going independent has been one of the best things we've ever done um you know it's, it's, it's nothing to hide we don't play as many shows but we probably make more money now than we ever have done um and and mer merch sales are good I mean, everyone always wants band merch you know what i mean that's the that's the the standard but in terms of the industry making money getting yourself out there i think it's easier to get yourself out there but that said there's a lot of noise as well and i think far too many bands are more worried about what their instagram profile looks like and how shiny everything looks and a big budget super video than actually can you play live and how good's your music you know it's very easy to get like a quite a decent looking video put together now for 500 quid thousand pound it can look pretty damn good but when i check bands out I'm like there's no substance there man there's nothing there's nothing that grabs me there's no oomph there's no yeah there's, there's something missing with a lot of bands so i don't know maybe the barrier to entry is uh a lot lower <laughs> than it used mm. to be but in a way it's good for bands because they can get their stuff out there so it's 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 ups and downs isn't it yeah well i think the classic way of saying it is there's more content but less substance exactly that yeah um what about you know an interesting thing we talked about just before is you know if if trc was to finish today uh where yeah. what would you like people to be left with to you know not only think of the band what's the first thing they think of the band but what's the last thing they remember the band for good question man god um what's the thing they think of the band that we that there were lyrics in there and there were tracks in there that resonated with people differently that there were words and this is just me coming from a purely selfish view there was someone that listened to one of my lyrics and it lit a little bit of a spark in them and they thought you know what i'm 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 feeling good and i'm up for changing something positively in my life because i think I've, we've always been all right you've had some like negative and aggressive kind of songs but we've always been kind of like positive in our in our in our message and when we play live it's always about bringing that energy out of the crowd and leaving people feeling good from our show. I know all musicians want to have people feeling good when they listen to their stuff. But when I chat to people at shows, they're like, yeah, you do it. You do it differently. We, 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 we feel good when we come to see you. We feel good when we listen to your tunes. So there's something about how, how people feel when they listen to us. Um, and what was the second part of the question? What would be how they want to remember us? Yeah. What are they going to be left with when they think, you know, of TRC? What's the last thing they'll ever think about? you know, good or bad, when they think of TRC? I don't know. I'd say it's got to be one of our tunes, isn't it? It's either going to be London's Greatest Love Story or 10,000 Hours. Um, I think they're the, they're, they're the two, two biggest for people. We only started playing 10,000 Hours live two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Ben didn't know it. Oh, we we play shows. People at ten thousand hours. We're like, he doesn't know it. Oh, that's a tune. That's a tune. Too. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think you know personally. You know, for me, it would be the tunes. But also, I know that you're a band that did it on your terms, and you didn't. You know, 
we you mentioned sellouts before, but you were never a band that compromised your integrity anywhere along the way. You gave it all. Um, yeah, I think we were close on that that fucking tune on Nation. What was it with the girl singing on it uh, between bridge? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was never my idea. I thought we were close to selling out then, but <laughs> thank God that. <laughs> hey, that that song's that song's not bad though. Yeah, it's just not TRC, but not TRC exactly. Yeah, that was that was that was. I think that's where we all started arguing. But it is what it is. Yeah, because everyone was <laughs> like, "I don't like this girl on the track," and someone else is like, "No, it's really good." No, come on. Um, I was like, we had the opportunity to bring on like uh, another singer actually for that track. Um, what was a band called? It wouldn't have still been TRC, but it would have been it would have been decent and or in line with it. And the guy from Mallory Knox, have you heard of Mallory Knox? Mm-hmm. The band, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to bring Mikey on from the song, and then they were like, "No, let's bring on this girl." I was like, "Right," <laughs> and then <laughs> and then that's what we <laughs> got. Just turned out that anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, look for for me and the listeners, you know, TRC just. Keep going, man. Like, go as long as it can go. I love it. Um, That's what we will do, man. We will do. And, you know, whenever there's new music, whether it's one track or four tracks, um, you got a fan in, in Brisbane, Australia, that's going to be vibing it. Um, you will. The, the stuff that Ben sent me is good. Uh, I'm not going to just say that. It does sound good. It's just like, can we can we bring it together in a way that it needs to be brought together? So, yeah, fingers crossed. Well, that's the other thing. Don't rush it. Let, let it, let it uh, come its course. Yeah. No rush. No rush. Um, let's talk a little bit about fitness because, you know, I, when I started to, you know, I'm a bit older. So when I started to get onto social media and start following the band, I did notice that fitness was a big key for you and Anthony, but, you know, you especially. Um, yeah. When did, you know, you mentioned earlier about jiu-jitsu, I think you mentioned, or something in your early ages. So where's your development with fitness been through life? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was forced into, you know, the usual story, forced into an after school martial arts club at like seven years old. Parents need some time to themselves. Right. You go in there. We'll go sort the shopping out. Bloody, bloody, blah. Um, And I've always stuck with martial arts, jujitsu since I was seven. So 30, 35 now. I've had the same instructor. Um, And as I said, along with music, that's been the one constant thing in my life um that's kind of kept me grounded and kept me settled uh, and kept me together a lot of the time actually uh so from there always trained martial arts then got into your normal kind of like fitness um gym work became a fitness trainer became a personal trainer then got into the more the the lifestyle side of side of stuff like the holistic lifestyle side of things so got more into that and then qualified as a professional coach and a life coach um and that's 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 kind of where i find myself now but you know doing professional coaching and working with people one-on-one on different areas of life and business and just supporting them moving forward it's an interesting thing because obviously um i've spoken about it on previous chats is you know i think the mental health is also linked to the physical health um yeah. so it, it's obviously important for you since day dot that you're balanced at all times Absolutely, definitely, uh, and and balance physically, mentally, emotionally. And listen, it's not a case of I'm always zen and oh because I've done martial arts and I know all this. You're gonna have off days, you're gonna have bad days. But I think having that focus and having some sort of plan 
and structure and routine has, has really helped me knowing that I can revert back to that when things go a little bit off and when things are chaotic out in the world and in different elements of my life. I think the key thing for me has always been routine uh, and, and, and some kind of structure. And yeah, fitness, training, um, coaching, that's, that's, that's certainly helped me. And in terms of like integrating that into the, the band, you know, as I said, we've always tried to come at it from like a, a positive place. Um, some of the lyrics, they kind of hopefully inspire people, motivate people. It's not just like the world is ending. I hate life. It's like, come on, man, let's, let's, what are we going to do here? How are we going to move ourselves forward? So we've always, we've always kind of adopted that mentality. Anthony's always been big into fitness as well. And, you know, basically it helps us put on a good live show. Um, don't get me wrong, we'll have a few beers on tour and, you know, we'll get messy, but at least the conditioning is there so that we can uh, we can put on a, a, a good performance and we don't, like, sound high energy on record, but then it gets to the show and we're huffing and puffing after, you know, two, three songs. Yeah, it is important when, when anyone goes to a show, they don't want to see, especially the vocalists, get gassed and blown out, you know, exactly. a third into the set. Like, exactly, and I saw that too many times with bands that were, like, giving it so hard on record the highest energy and then I went to see him live and they were just like huffing and puffing like hunched over I was like what's happened here <laughs> what's gone on here <laughs> I was like no that can't be me you also you mentioned in there which you know I know because I've, I've listened to it and been listening to it you know you mentioned life coaching which is kind of linked also into your podcasting um yeah. now for anyone listening who doesn't know you already um and knows about the podcast what do you a, what's it called? What do you do on the podcast and what can they get from it? Okay, so it's called Forward Motion um, because as a coach, you're always supporting people moving from point A to point B and keeping it like solution focused. Listen, it's, it's, a, it's a basic personal development podcast. It's nothing like too airy-fairy. They're not long-winded. It's not overcomplicated. I'm just sharing some bits and pieces that can support people in helping themselves to move forward. It's not like the the Chris Robson method. It's just, you know, basic content around health and fitness, mindset, um, productivity, uh, emotional regulation, um, and hopefully delivered in an easy to understand, easy to implement way. I wasn't trying to like waffle because I listened to some podcasts and they could be like an hour long, you know, getting too scientific. It's like I wanted to break it down, put it out there for guys, you know, late 20s, all the way up to like 40, 45, that just want to make those little changes, little sustainable changes that can, you know, hopefully get them feeling healthier and uh, and happier. So that's 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 pretty much it. Yeah, I think it's great, man. Like it's and it is, it's, it's, it's very, um, as you said, tuned in. Like it's fine focused, um, which is what you need in that kind of content. It's either airy fairy, it's either too much waffle, or it's it's uh, it's too complicated and too in-depth so I thought let me break it down let me keep it simple it might sound too simple for some people but the basics work so if you want to check it out check it out forward motion yeah I recommend it and when this goes up there will also be a link on the website um, for the podcast for anyone listening if they've gone through our website you'll be able to see a link there so you can click on that make sure you subscribe download get into it and uh, there will also be a link for Chris's Instagram so you can also get into that. Um, Thank you, mate. Well, last last thing we've got to do um, is what we do with everyone, and it's a bit of a fun thing. We're going to end on a silly note because it's what what we like to do. So I'm going to yeah. pick going to pick your brain 
and it's called it's called pick your poison. Okay. Right. What happens? You get two options. You pick your favorite okay. of the two. You don't need to justify it, but if you want to justify why you picked one over the other, more than welcome. All right, good. Okay. So some yeah. some are easy, some are hard. Okay. I have broken some people in this process. So just, <laughs> just, just saying. Um, okay. Would you go a pizza or a burger? Pizza. Okay. Uh, Chinese. <laughs> yeah. It, we're starting off a bit simple. Bit simple. Bit simple. Um, Chinese takeout or Indian takeout? Indian. Okay. Uh, soft taco or hard taco? Soft. Okay. Chicken or beef? Beef. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey. Okay. Mayo or brown sauce? Mayo. That was the first one you had to think about. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, when did I have brown sauce last? I have it occasionally. So. <laughs> uh, smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Recently changed to smooth. It changed my life. Mm. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Uh, cook at home or dine out? Dine out. Okay. You're going to watch a movie at the cinema or on the couch at home? Cinema. This is all sounding too easy, man. I'm waiting for this. <laughs> Are there, you know, there, there's levels here. There's levels. There's levels. Um, do you want to spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Beach. Okay. Uh, cat or dog? Cat. Uh, Terminator or Predator? Predator. Okay. Bond or born? Bond. Okay. These are, these are too easy, I think, for you. Um, just everyone's listening going, I've never heard anyone not stumble. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Okay. Uh, South Park or Simpsons? South Park. Anchorman or Step Brothers? Step Brothers. Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Terror or Madball? Madball. Agnostic Front or Sick of It All? Sick of It All. Okay. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie? Marilyn Manson. Converge or Dillinger Escape Plan? Converge. Like, seriously, guys, I can see Chris hasn't stumbled once on this. Just everyone knows listening. Like, this is <laughs> this is next level. Um, when it, we're almost finished, and I don't think we're going to get him on any. Um, Chris Unbreakable uh, is what we're going to call you on this episode. Um, okay, coming, coming to the end of him. Uh, Slipknot or Machine Head? Slipknot. Tupac or Biggie? Tupac. NWA or Wu-Tang? Wu-Tang. Playing a show, stage dives or mic grabs? Stage dives. Okay. Uh, Go to a show, watch it from the pit or watch it from the sound desk? Pit. Uh, You need one to go with the other, but would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? Record music. 
And the last one, Chris, Mr. Unbreakable on Pick Your Poison. We've never seen it. We've never witnessed it. Um, I'm giving you your all-time favourite album. Do you want it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? On my phone. Dude. Unstoppable right there. <laughs> that that's That's got me because there's always at least, you know, three the people just go, really? no. Yeah, they go, I can't pick. Why are you making me pick? I go, mm, okay. Um, done. Wow. Done, man. That, decision. There is, there is power in decision. <laughs> oh, that's that's impressive. I like that. I like that very much. Thanks. Thanks um, <laughs> first thing I'm going to say, thank you for giving up some time in your evening. Um, Nothing. Getting up early, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> thank you. Mate, de- dedicated and... Um, Really appreciate it. Relaxed, enjoyed it. Um, I feel we only touched the tip of the iceberg. So you're down the track. If um, if you're ever free to do a part two, I'd love to do a part two. Hundred um, percent. Really enjoyed it, man. Honestly, thank you for the 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 questions. Thank you for the research. Thank you for jogging my memory of when things actually came out and <laughs> in what order. <laughs> oh, genuinely, pleasure. One. Not just saying it, one of the best interviews I've done. So thank oh, you, man. Appreciate it, man. Oh, you're a legend, Chris. I'll, um, I'll speak soon. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. All right, later, brother. And now you want to pop at anyone who disagrees 
So that was my chat with Chris of TRC. At the end there, you heard the band's track Mona, which is from their most recent EP titled Lifestyle. The second track you heard there was 10,000 Hours, which is from the band's album Nation. And the last track you heard there, an absolute banger, an absolute classic, that's titled London's Greatest Love Story, and that's from the band's album Bright Lights. So now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed that conversation, if you enjoyed the music at the end there, now's your chance. Take some time out this week, delve into this extensive discography, listen to it, download it, stream it, whatever it is, consume it and get into it. If you're into physical copies... You can find them on eBay, and I'm sure you'll be able to also find it on TRC's website. If you're into merch, you'll also be able to find that online. Make sure you grab yourself a shirt, a hoodie, a hat, whatever you're into, I'm sure you can find some of that as well. I need to take this moment to thank Chris again. Thank you so very much, dude, you absolute fucking legend. Look forward to touching base with you soon and doing a part two. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's The Mosh Zone, episode 125. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.